When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. This is Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for picking this podcast. Heck, there are 2.3 million podcasts out there. And yet, here we are again. Or if it's your first time listening to this show, thanks for joining us. And I hope you'll come back. And there are over 700 episodes behind us in the archives where I think you can find a lot of great information. I created the show, which was originally called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, because I wanted to learn from the smartest people who were doing things in business cool things, if you will, and they were thriving. A couple of years ago, we changed the name of the show to Making Waves at Sea Level, as in CEO, CFO, etc. And we talk to people in those roles, but also consultants to those roles who help people be able to thrive. And today we are joined by Liz Weber. Liz, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm so glad we are going to have some fun. Today, we are going to talk about creating a great culture by planning for succession. And I know a lot of people think, I'm going to be here forever. (laughs) I am the CEO or the CFO. I'm going to die here. Uh, And that might be true. Or things change. And companies always should be looking for what are we doing for what's coming next. And Liz is an expert in this. And this is what she does. She consults with her clients on how to have a great culture by having great succession planning. So if you don't know Liz, She helps companies figure out what they need to do over the next three years and how they can grow and thrive. And she helps them figure out how to determine how to do this year by year. So Liz, I'm just going to start off with this. Why three years? Why not look at what I want to do over the next 30 years? That's a, that's a great question, Tom. And, and when I work with my clients, I try to be really practical, you know, what, how you describe what I do, let's, that's strategic planning. That's what's what I help companies do. That's a sexy term. And yeah, you and I, and the people that we work with, the companies, they can have a 30 year vision, you know, in 30 years, you'd like to be, you know, the leader of the world, whatever it is. But in order to do that, you've got to take steps to get there. And what I have found in doing this almost 30 years with my clients, it's like, you know, how do you eat a gorilla one bite at a time? You've got to figure out how do we get the momentum going so that we can make progress. And so when I work with my clients on strategic planning, sure, we may have a 30-year vision but the actual plans to get things moving, to align their teams, we'd shoot for no more than three years because, Tom, here's the kicker. I'm working with my clients in every quarter to review and update the plan. So as things change, let's say, oh, heck, I don't know. There's a pandemic. Something <laughs> might change. We don't wait three years or 30 years to update a plan. We're updating it in real time. So that that three-year time frame is always a new three years as the calendar moves forward. 
Oh, that's fascinating. I don't know that, that I've thought of it that way, that it's not. If we start today, the three years isn't 2025 because three quarters from now, it's going to be 2026. It's it's a living document, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when I think of culture and I think of succession planning, number one, I don't put those two together naturally. I mean, I've been around business a long time. I've never thought about, you know, th- those two things being tied. And actually in the business world we live in, Culture is a really sexy term, right? All of us in business, we want to create a great culture. As I go in and manage a new team, I want to create a wonderful culture where they love to work there and and the people who participate in the organization like it. But I've never, you know, the other one sounds more tactical, like succession planning sounds like something that I put in a notebook and yeah. I have a little checklist and maybe occasionally I look at it and make sure I'm doing those things. Check it, check it, check. It doesn't sound <laughs> as sexy to me. So how do those two things go together, Liz? Yeah. Well, Tom, you know, you are not alone. And it's one thing that I tell my clients, succession planning is not the document. It's the mindset. It's the process. And, and again, you're right on target. Culture is everything right now. Culture is what allows us to attract, retain great talent, but building depth and planning for succession is how you create that culture. You know, with, with the employees basically owning the market right now, I mean, they can walk away from any company where they're not feeling welcomed, developed, mentored, groomed, intrigued, whatever. We have to be the organization that they want to come to and stay with. And one of the key ways that we as business leaders, owners can do that is by really focusing at not how are we only planning for who's going to take over after me, CEO decides to retire, leave or whatever, but who's going to take over for Kia, the person that's in our data entry area, who is really key. What's going to happen when Kia decides to go and go to a different company? So we're looking at how do we build depth, the entire organization wide and deep. And we do that, Tom, and here's the kicker by looking at our strategic plan and saying, what does this team need to be able to do to implement the plan in one year and then in two years and in three years? And what kind of skills and talent do we need to develop with our team internally or recruit from the outside so that we have the skill sets and the talent to do these things year by year? And that's really how we start to create a culture that has a focus, i.e. the strategic plan, that we can then explain to anyone that we want to bring into the company or who we already have to say, look, Tom, here's how you fit in, given your position. Here's how you're important. Your role is critical. And here's what we need you to do over the next six months or year to help move your department forward, your team forward, and therefore this company forward. So it really becomes actually an inclusivity document to really make things clear to employees how they fit in. But then number two, it also starts to create basically a way to identify what skill sets, what talent we need to develop within a team or within individual people. My mind is spinning a little bit here in the fact that when I think about corporate succession planning, I think of the C-suite. I think of the the Mm -hmm. main, you know, three or five leaders of the company. What you're saying is our succession planning really impacts every role in the company. Did I hear you right? You heard me absolutely right. Yeah. Because if you only focus on the C-suite, which let's be honest, that's critical. But how many organizations, Tom, do you know that have one deep scenarios? And if that one person leaves or one person goes on vacation and the responsibilities that they have are handcuffed while they're away, or that let's just say that person is on vacation, but 
they're at the beach and their phone is going every 15 minutes because someone back at the office has a question that's not good for business. That's not good for the employees. So I am, I am an adamant believer with my clients that succession planning is not just elevated to just the C-suite. It is organization wide because it doesn't matter where in the hierarchy a key person is. If no one else knows how to do that job or if, if they just need other backups to keep things fluid in that position, we've got to plan for succession in that position in all positions. So I love this, but I'm wondering, is it is it hard to get both the C-suite to buy into the fact that succession planning needs to run all up and down the corporate ladder? And for some of those people who might be, you know, farther down that that corporate structure, doesn't succession planning maybe scare some of them that they think, oh, wait a minute, am I important? If they have if they have a plan to what to do if I leave, does that take away my power in this business? So, Tom. Ding, 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 right there. That's a shift in how you think and that's a shift in culture. Because you and I have worked with organizations in the years where there are a lot of people that have that mindset. You know, if I have information, I have power. I'm not going to share my information because I could lose my job. Well, we want to change it. And I have yet to have a client or a CEO suite that has rejected this. We want to create an organization where we have one two or possible three backups for any person or any position. So let's say that some Tom, you might be away at a doctor's appointment and, and you're gone for four and a half hours because you got stuck in the waiting room. Okay. It wasn't a virtual visit. So in those four hours, there are hopefully one or two other people at the office or remotely that can handle some of your things while you're away. Now, why that's important from a cultural perspective is you being unavailable for four hours now becomes invisible to your clients because what we don't want to have happen is we don't want to have a client email or call in and someone say, I'm sorry, Tom's not here. He'll be back in four hours. He can get back to you then. No, no, no. You want a client calling in and somebody else be able to give them that answer or move them forward and not, not be handcuffed because you're not there. And, and number one, it has uh, uh, improvement for customer service, clientele services. But number two, what it does is if Tom, I am, I am tagged to be a backup to you for some aspects of your job so that you can go on vacation or you can go away for a little while. And I pick up a couple of, of your responsibilities and two or three other people pick up a couple other additional responsibilities. There are now a team of four people that surround you basically and can handle parts of your position. So worst case scenario, you leave unexpectedly or something tragic happens and you can't come back. That organization is not at a dead standstill because no one knows how to access your files or do key things. But the other cool thing from a cultural perspective, now I and three other colleagues just gained a bit more respect and empathy for the work that you do because we're like, holy cow, I didn't know Tom had to deal with that. <laughs> and, and we start learning a bit more about some of the cool things or some of the challenges our colleagues have. So because of that, Again, really C-suite executives don't resist this. They love it because number one, it starts opening the eyes of the entire workforce across the organization. So we start taking down those silos. Number two, what it does is it really starts building greater awareness at all levels of employees of what is possible and, and how their work impacts somebody else. All right. So we talked about the fact that there are those people, though, who want to you know, 
hover or uh, hide their information because they want to mm-hmm. look like they're the smartest person in the room. And that person could be in the C-suite or that mm-hmm. could be somebody down down the ranks. In either case, how do we get that person to change who wants to have that power? They don't want to share the, the day-to-day of their job because they don't want people to know what they do. They want that mystique. They want that that magic of, of looking like we couldn't live without her. Mm-hmm. How do you get that person to change? Uh, great question. So, um, here's why before we talk about succession planning, we go back and we talk about strategic planning and part of strategic planning time, as you well know, is creating vision, creating the mission and clarifying core values or guiding principles. Okay. Those touchy feely touch points in a strategic plan to many individuals like whatever. Okay. It's artwork for the wall, but you and I as leaders and organizations realize those three touchstones start articulating the culture that's expected of everyone. So that kind of lays a foundation and Liz Weber rule here. As long as you're taking a paycheck from an organization by default, you are bound to abide by the vision, mission and values. So Tom, here's a, here's a little tip that I'll share with you and your listeners, because this is what I tell all my clients when we're doing strategic planning and then succession planning to address the exact issue that you just raised is how do you deal with the employee who says, I'm not going to do that. Or who says, what, you want me to be Tom's backup? Are you going to pay me more? Okay. So here's the tip, you know, in position descriptions, job responsibilities, there's a line towards the bottom of that position description. You know that line I'm talking about? Uh, additional things as they come up, that line? Yeah, any, any other duties as a sign, <laughs> yeah. And when I say that, a lot of a lot of managers have the same reaction that you have. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, good. Well, I, I suggest to my clients, now change that line to any other duties as needed to drive to the vision, fulfill the mission, and abide by the values of this organization. Whoa. Boom. Whoa. Would you repeat that for everybody? I want everybody listening in a company to remember it's not just other duties as assigned. It is what Liz is about to say. Say it one more time. Absolutely. And any other duties as needed to drive to the vision, fulfill the mission, and abide by the values of this organization. Wow. And that is a great time to take a break and thank our sponsor. Whoa. I'm, I'm like, I'm like stunned by that. That's a beautiful piece of advice. And now it's time to thank the sponsor of this episode. This episode, like all of them is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Liz Weber. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Liz, you hit me with a big one there before the break. And I want to go back to this thing about, you know, that everybody's job is to abide by the vision, mission, and values of the company. Uh, is, isn't that something people sort of forget? Because we, we live in a world where people whine and complain and they, they tell stories and they, they, they bitch to people, you know, here and there about what's going on. How do we get people to remember that if you're taking a paycheck from the company, 
this is actually your job is to support the mission values, you know, and, and vision of this company. Yeah, that, that's that's it. And this this is where the C-suite really needs to understand this and needs to be the mouthpiece. And let's be honest, the reminder to everybody, um, vision, mission, values define our culture. It defines our company's personality. It defines what's acceptable here and what's not acceptable here. And then if we all, from the top level person to the to the newest entry hire, if we all abide by these guiding um, ideas, then all the technical stuff, all the challenging stuff falls within it and it makes it easier for us to all work well together here. And the reason this is so important right now, Tom, and it, it, it kind of goes to this, this discussion about culture. As we said, culture right now is everything. And so many people, you know, the past couple of years have gotten so sick of either working remote or hybrid or the challenges and blah, 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 everything that's everybody's been dealing with and are looking to be with people that just get it, just, you know, are easy to hang with, are fun to hang with. And, and let's be honest, culture, vision, mission, values, that's our persona. That's our personality. That's either going to help attract or repel people. So it's, it's really important. It's, it's not just artwork on a wall. It's not touchy feely. It is the defining element of who you are as an organization. So our strategic plan looks out three years and then Mm -hmm. quarterly, we're going to update it. That suddenly I'm thinking, Liz, that sounds like a lot of work. If every quarter we're, we're pushing it out three years, how much time does this take for the executives to really make sure they're on track and adjust the plan, you know, for the next year, two years, three years? Yeah, it it can sound daunting, but it's not if you get the cadence down. And the reason I say that is it may not have to be quarterly for your organization. It could be just three times a year. My recommendation is it's before a board meeting. So unless you're having a board meeting every every month, don't worry about that. But many organizations have maybe four board meetings or three board meetings a year. So my recommendation is, is you as the senior leadership team get together before your board meeting to check in and update your strategic plan. What's moving on schedule? What's behind, you know, just kind of do a dashboard checkup. And by the way, Tom, it takes maybe 90 minutes to do this. And and this is your opportunity as a C-suite to look at where do we need to adjust some knobs and dials and tweaks and where do we need help from the board or what do we need to update the board on when we get to the board meeting next week. Now to prep for this meeting, this is where, again, culture plays into it and you start to show all team members how they fit in because each member of the C-suite is going to reach down into his or her channels to say, what are you guys doing within my departments here that I'm responsible for that are updates to our strategic plan? Give me that information because I've got a senior team meeting this coming week. I got to give an update. So you're, you're pulling information from all teams, all departments to do a, a C-suite update to then take it to the board to you know update the board. The board may say, hey, continue full steam ahead or nope, switch direction. And if that happens, then you come back to the exec team, you figure out how to update your plan and you push it back down to the employees. So you're, you're keeping this fluid communication of understanding how we're trekking forward or how we're making adjustments. So long answer to your question, no more than 90 minutes, but it, it creates this communication fluidity up and down the hierarchy on a, in a regular cadence. Nice. I, li- I like that. So in addition to your C-suite and your board, who else should be involved in, in, in this type of planning? How, how far down the, the org chart do we go? 
Well, for, for creating the actual strategic plan, I keep it more at the department head level and exec level. But as a plan is being developed and it's going through its iterations of drafts, you push it out into the team members below to get their feedback. So you're not you're not just throwing something at them cold Um, and they obviously are going to bring perspective into it. But that also helps to start gathering information to plan for succession and talent needs, because as you start sharing some of these ideas for potential strategic initiatives coming up, you might have some department managers going, whoa, Tom, remember, I've only got a staff of two. Uh, we're going to need more people, buddy. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. And and that that's how you can give them some confirmation and, and um, assurance that, yeah, no, we realize that there is a major part of the strategic plan that's going to fall to your department and we're going to have to ramp up your staffing in order to do that. So this is how you start to, to start seeding those ideas for talent development and succession needs, workforce planning needs. Wow. I, I, I love this. So uh, let, let's start talking about this in some practical hands-on thing for people who are listening. Maybe they run a, a small to mid-sized company. We're not talking thousands of employees. We're talking maybe dozens of employees and they haven't really looked at succession planning. Mm-hmm. Where do I begin? Oh, this, I love it. And Tom, this again, super simple, super simple. And here's what I do with my clients. Take an organizational chart of your company or just your department, whatever you're responsible for. Literally create the boxes and and draw it out, okay? Within each box, write the position, and then under that position title, write the person's name of the current position holder, okay? And then below that person's name, write one, two, and three. And do that for the entire organization, not just a C-suite. Do it for the entire organization, your entire department, okay? Then... Go back into your org chart and let's say you got a box and let's say it says, you know, CEO extraordinaire, Tom Singer, you're, you're, let's say you're the big dog. Okay. And then one, two, and three below, below your name in one, two, and three, Tom, what you write in there, who are the one, two or possibly three people that if you are away or if you're on vacation individually or in combination, they step in and move key parts of your responsibility forward. Who are your backups? And do this for every single position, even those positions that are only one person, departments, offices, whatever. Who is the backup? The reason for this, Tom, is this now gives you, at a bare minimum, an emergency staffing plan. So you know if if Roger's out, who do you call? But what it also starts to do now for you as a manager is you're starting to identify, wow, we don't have backups. Or what may happen also, Tom, is you may have a person like a Sheila that you see Sheila's a manager, but she's the backup for like five of her team members and other team members are not stepping up. So you have managers stepping back. And what it starts to do is it starts to make you think a little bit. Now, here's the fun part. Once you've simply identified where all your backups are, and oh, by the way, if there are no backups or you don't have enough to put in one, two, and three, put question marks in those spaces, okay? Now the fun part is, is now you get to take out your markers or you get to be snazzy on your computer and you're going to color code your org chart. You're going to color code it green, yellow, and pink. You're going to highlight any person, whether it's the position holder or if they're in a backup position, highlight them green if they are completely competent, they can handle their position, Liz Weber rule, independently and competently, 
or if they're serving as a backup, they perform their part of the backup responsibilities very well. Highlight them in green. Highlight the people in yellow, even if it's a current incumbent. If eh, they can do it, but it's kind of ugly, they need some help. Highlight them yellow if they're new, if they're still learning the job, highlight them in yellow. If they're a backup and it's kind of icky, highlight them in yellow, okay? Then highlight in pink anyone who just is not doing their job well at all. Highlight in pink those question mark areas, okay? And what starts happening is pretty soon you have a color-coded org chart. I, I, no, I, I want to jump in. What I what I want to see is I want to see more green. Exactly. Right, good. Whew. Yes, exactly. You want you would love to see nothing but green. You would like to see basically an evergreen tree is what you'd like looking at you. <laughs> Sadly enough, for most organizations, it looks more like a Christmas tree. There's color sparkling all over. And this is where I say you look for the hot spots. So where are the pops of pink? Because those pops of pink are identifying where you have a lack of depth, a lack of talent, or a lack of staff. And that can be and that can be a person or a question mark Correct. Is, is pink. So it might not be that you have people who aren't up to speed or able to do it. You just might not have anybody who's able to back that person up. Exactly. Gotcha. And and that's that's a problem. And like the example I said before, if you have a one person operation and let's say this one person goes on vacation, quite often what happens is nothing can happen until that person comes back. Or that person is bothered the entire time they're on vacation. Either one of those scenarios is not what we want. So this color-coded org chart, Tom, at a bare minimum, if if your listeners do nothing else for succession planning, color-coded an org chart. Because that visual map gives you an immediate idea of where you need to start focusing some attention on either identifying backups, training backups, or creating documentation at a bare minimum so someone can can know how to do certain things. And it starts to give you an idea of, number one, emergency staffing. But number two, you start seeing, whoa, we've got a lot of managers who are stepping back and are not developing team members from within. What can happen then is if you look now, Tom, and you marry this with your strategic plan and you look at what is this, department or what does this company need to be able to do differently a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, and you look at your current org chart and you go, wow, okay, we've got a lot of skill development that needs to happen. We have to possibly change some team members. Um, We need to recruit for some different types of talent. It starts identifying a number of very tactical, but also obvious things that need to happen. It also, to me, says that if, if Becky appears to be the backup for a lot of people and she's green everywhere, that maybe we should be grooming Becky for that promotion because obviously Becky is really important to our company if she can back up a lot of people. Do you, do you see that? That like one person sometimes shows up on a lot of backups and then all of a yep. sudden they're like, we never noticed how talented Becky was. Well, we never noticed how talented she was or we never really fully appreciated how much she was doing. So number one, we have to figure out why. So, so number one question that I, and I have seen this with other clients, number one, why is it always Becky? Um, now, I don't want to be, you know, snarky, but it could be Becky to the rescue all the time. <laughs> and and that's, that's a good thing and it's a bad thing. 
and we need to help Becky take off her superhero cape and say, <laughs> Becky, by you stepping in and, and helping everybody instead of teaching everybody, we're not actually building long-term skill development. So that could be a situation. Number two, and this is what happened when I worked with a hospital system a number of years ago and exactly what you talked about, Tom. I had a, a member of the senior staff that was incredible. But what we did is we looked at why was she so phenomenal? Well, when we looked at her academic as well as work history, the, the exposure, exposures that she had had were phenomenal. And, and based upon her experiences, we had her help develop a leadership curriculum that was more appropriate to the needs of the level of leader that she was backing up. So yeah, you hit right on it. There are a couple of different ways to, to look at your org chart and figure out how do we leverage the talents that we have here? So this has been a great discussion. We're coming near the end and I'm just, I'm thinking, God, we could, we could have done like three hours of podcasts on this. <laughs> so what other advice, what is something we haven't touched on that you wish all companies knew when it came to this idea of your succession planning, your strategic planning and your culture all being intertwined? Just just really step back and and don't view these as stagnant documents or stagnant tasks that you have to do. And then you either file them away or you slap it on a wall someplace and go, oh, thank goodness that's done <laughs> is is really appreciate how these these three things are so interwoven and they basically become the personality and the heartbeat of your organization and they create the cadence that just allows everybody to pull together and, and work together. So Liz Weber, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, yeah, my company needs a, a little dose of Liz Weber. How do they, <laughs> how do they find out more information about you? How do they contact you? Sure. Tom, they can go to my website, which is WB as in boy, S as in Sam, LLC as in Charlie.com. Or they can find me on LinkedIn, Liz Weber, CMC. Nice, nice, nice. Well, Liz, thank you for being here on Making Waves at Sea Level. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I appreciate all of you too. You know, we've been doing this show, gosh, this summer will make eight years come September that we've been doing this podcast. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been my own little personal university. Uh, there's some changes coming. Some some old things we used to do on the show are going to come back. Uh, you're going to have to stay tuned and hear all about that. I've got some changes going on and in, in positives in my career. And uh, the podcast is going to remain part of what I do for a living. So be sure you keep tuning in to hear all of that. In the meantime, go out there and flex your business muscles. Make sure that your career ladder is against the correct wall because you don't want to climb a career ladder, get to the top and go, uh-oh, wrong place. And while you're out there doing all this, have some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.